Amen. So I am one of the leaders here, but my most important role is Matt's better looking brother, right? I think, I think we know that. Sometimes Matt tries to say that he's better looking, but clearly, right? There, no contest. All right, Matt gave away what we're talking about. I was gonna, I gonna have this like big lead in and tell you how great this topic was, right? The, it, it's been a part of my life since the beginning uh, or since the beginning of my third grade, I think I, I started a paper route and I've been working ever since. Uh, but the, the topic is work, right? Work. It's exciting, right? It's awesome. Uh, I love work uh, too much, probably. Um, uh, sinfully, I, I love work. Uh, it drives my, drives my wife nuts, something I have to be in constant contact with her. I, I like to take my plate uh, and I like to pile it up, right? Like, you know that saying, what is it? I got too much on my plate. I've never said that, right? It's not, it's not, part, of, that's not part of who I am. So I, I take my plate and I pile it on, right? With a, with a, a full-time job, right? I'm, in, uh, I'm an investment advisor and then a part-time job. I'm a reserve for the Coast Guard and then, uh, oh, church, right? We spend some time here at, at church and... and um, School. I'm taking some online classes. Uh, you know, the projects around the house. Whatever. I just love it, dude. I, I get, uh, I get kicks from from doing work. So, um, that's an issue, uh, and we're going to address why that's why that's not a why that's not a, a great thing, uh, but it, but it's my thing. So, a couple of years ago, um, I had a little bit of success in the investment in the investment world, and uh, I was I was feeling pretty good about myself. You know what I mean? I, I felt like I was, you know, 10 feet tall and bulletproof, that, that kind of an idea, strutting around. Um, and then uh, 2008 and 2009 came along, and I don't know if any of us were paying attention in 2008 and 2009, but it's like the worst year ever for anything investment-related, or, or years, I should say. The great, uh, the great Recession, it was called. So, so that knocked me down, right? Pretty hard. Caused me to try to like, rethink a little bit. What, what am I doing? What, what industry did I choose here? And then 2010 and 2011 had a ton of volatility in the stock market. And uh, it just rattled me, right, to the core. Um, and, I, and I had like a, a crisis of work. I was, uh, you know, back to the drawing board. Like, what did I choose? Why did I choose the stock market to base my career on, right? The, the antithesis of stability, is what the stock market is. I'm thinking, what, am I doing anything that even matters? Am I doing anything that's good or helpful? Right? I'm working with wealthy or somewhat wealthy people. Um, like, I, I don't know. I, I was rethinking what I was doing. I was prepared to change careers maybe, do something different that I could, I don't know, I could uh, you know, go home from work and feel good about. Um, and so what I did was I, I started... Uh, trying to apply the gospel to my work life, right? The church always is talking about the gospel and uh, the gospel should apply to every aspect of life, right? And I don't know that I had done a real great job of figuring out how that works. Um, but I decided, hey, if this is true, um, I need to figure out how it applies, right? Or else I'm gonna find a, a different career. Um, so man, I started the process of, of reading everything I could, paying attention to what the Bible says about work, uh, listening to podcasts about work, talking to guys about work, trying to see uh, or, or um, find people that have applied their work to the gospel who had done it well. And dude, can I just tell you, 
the insane stuff that the Bible has for work, right? Can I just tell you, I had no idea how much is in this book about work. It is so deep, right? It, it, it blew me away, the depth and the importance and the dignity of all work, not just like fancy, you know, complex jobs, but even the simplest jobs, right? Stuff like shepherds, right? Carpenters. Uh, this is simple work, and the, and, and the Bible, the Bible has so much, right, for this, and I, I, I won't get into it too much yet, but where we're at is we're in Colossians. We're still marching through the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians 3, 23 through 4, 1 today, right? So what I'm going to try to do is pull some nuggets out of 3.23 through 4.1. And those nuggets are some of the things that I've uh, uncovered for the last few years uh, trying to go through this. Um, a lot of them probably comes from Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. As you know, we, uh, we rely on Tim Keller quite a bit. Uh, he's a stud, and this book is way above me. Uh, I, I, and I, and I, won't, I won't hardly scratch the surface this morning, but if I can just, if I can just like... I don't know, if I can just pique your interests a little bit, how your work applies to the gospel, excuse me, how the gospel applies to your work, I guess it could go both ways, um, then I, I'll, I'll feel good, right? So, so, so let's start uh, Colossians 3, 23 through 4, 1, um, and we'll see, we'll see what we can pull out of this, right? Let's read. Did I say 3.23? I meant 3.22 through 4, 1. Bond servants... Awesome, right? Super applicable to us. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And this is the money verse, right? This is the one we're going to camp out on. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. And then a little note to masters, right, in chapter 4. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, before I get to our, you know, my, my four points here, let me just address bondservants, right? How many bondservants do we have in the crowd today? Yeah, not, not many. What the heck is a bondservant? Uh, some translations say slaves here, right? So we have this servant or slave master relationship back in the day, right? First century stuff. Um, this was the dominant form of labor. This is how work got done, right? A third, I read a third of the people in the Greco-Roman uh, world uh, were slaves or servants. A third had been servants or slaves, and a third weren't or were probably masters, so Paul is talking to these people in a language that they understand. This is part of culture. It was rough, clearly. I mean, 2,000 years later, we, we got some different, some different things going on. Uh, but but this, is, this is how work, uh, work got done. This is different than the race-based slavery that we're familiar with, right? Where, where you're a slave for life. Um, this is more like indentured servitude or servanthood, however you say that. Um, like you work for a time, you're a servant for a time, and then uh, you're given your freedom. So real quick, is Paul endorsing slavery by telling his servants, you know, work hard? 
uh, for your masters? The answer is no. What Paul is simply doing here to the church in Colossae is trying to help them, uh, giving them instruction on how to live in a broken, jacked up world as a Christian, right? And specifically, how to work as a Christian in, a, in a, an oppressive, maybe even abusive situation, to, to still have dignity and still have value in your work, right? That's what all the Bible does pretty much, right? We, sin enters on like page two, and then the rest of the Bible is how to figure out how to live in this world uh, that's broken and, and not how it was intended, okay? So that's quick note on bond servants. Four points, right? First one is God's idea of work. Second one is man's idea of work. Third one is uh, the, the work of the inheritance, and then a new servant work, right? That's, that's, that's where we're going. So let's, let's begin. God's work, right? If we, if we go back to uh, Colossians 3.23, the first sentence is, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. What do you do when you start a new job or you get a new supervisor or whatever? you got to figure out how the new boss, the new supervisor, how they work. What are their uh, expectations, right? Same thing applies for us. If we're going to work for the Lord, we need to know how the Lord works, right? So what do we do? Go all the way back to the beginning, back to Genesis, right? And we see the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit hanging out, perfectly happy, right? No need to create, no need to do anything, but what do they do? They get up and they get to work. And God creates and he designs and he produces. He builds this insane universe that, that we see and know, right? He, he does it just to flex his muscles, right? To show his power, to see how awesome it could be, what, what he could create. It's, it's, it's sweet. And then he leaves it just a little bit unfinished, right? Doesn't complete the process. He leaves it a little bit unfinished, grabs a little dust, you know, and then bam, there's man. Creates man in his image, right? What does that mean? It means we're like God on, on, on some level, right? We, we like to work. And where does he put us? If we go to Genesis 2, 15, we've got one, one verse here. The Lord God took the man and put him in the forest. No. Took man and put him in the pasture. No. No, those things don't require any work. He puts him in a garden, right? Puts him in a garden to work it and to keep it. Why? Because a garden requires a gardener, right? It, it requires somebody to, to work the ground and, and, to, and to plow the fields and to produce and to create. And what do we know about the garden? It's a symbol for all of our works, right? For all of our professions, Right? This is, it's not just farmers that, that get the, uh, the blessing here. It's, it's all of us. It's all of our professions. It's all of culture. Right? What else do we know about this particular passage? We know it's before sin. Right? This is BS. You know, before sin. Uh, before sin, this is a picture of what heaven is going to look like. So, do you understand the implications of that? Heaven is going to include work. That's insane. We're not going to be just hanging out, chilling, uh, you know, with our feet up, drinking a glass of lemonade, right? We're going to have good, productive activity to do. Like, uh, work is, is not a curse. It's a gift from God 
to keep us busy, to, to fulfill us on some level for, purpose, for our purpose or, or to give us some purpose and to glorify God. Like this is, this is huge. This is a, this is a, whole, new, a whole new understanding, or it was for me as I, as I was going through that. I didn't know that. Okay, you guys probably do know that, but I know some of you are thinking, you're thinking, Tim, maybe your work is a gift, but, but mine's not, right? Mine's a curse. If you knew my boss, right? If you knew my coworkers, if you knew what I did, right? It's so lame and it's so boring or, or whatever, right? Keller, our good friend Keller that I, that I talked about says, work is not a curse, but it is cursed, right? The, it is cursed. We know that Adam and Eve did their thing, right? God says, don't do this, and they do the exact opposite. Grab the fruit and eat it. Adam's just watching. Uh, so sin enters the world, and because of that, we see work cursed, right? This is Genesis 3.17. I'll just read this section. Cursed is the ground because of you. The pain you shall eat of it. Excuse me. In pain you shall eat of it all your days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread right you, we worked in heaven because it was fun i guess because it's a gift because it's uh, a, a way to be you know active and and fulfill us on some level uh but now we have to work right we have to work and it's going to be hard it's going to be tough and this is a result of Adam and Eve's sins, and now that continues through the rest of, the rest of us, right? And, and sin shows up in our work, which is my second point, which is man's idea of work, which is not good, right? Our idea of work is jacked up. How do we jack up work? We jack it up two ways, right? We, we overwork and we underwork. We'll start with overwork, because that's the one I'm more familiar with, um, this is the idea. It's like the utopian view of work. Um, we take this idea of work and we think it's so cool, right, that we elevate it, right? Work on some level was supposed to serve us, right? It's supposed to bring us fulfillment, satisfaction. Uh, it's supposed to glorify God, right? But we, but we reverse it. And instead of work serving us, we serve work, those of us that overwork. We serve it, and, and, and more than that, right? We elevate it, and we worship work, and we, we, we will sacrifice anything for our little God of work, for success or for, for money, whatever it is, why we work too much, right? So, so what, what are the things we sacrifice? The first thing we could sacrifice if we're overworking is our character, right? We'll step on anybody. We'll, we'll, we'll screw over anyone to get the promotion or just get, to get the sale. I'll lie, I'll cheat, steal, whatever it takes. I just need success, right? Where, where do we see this? Think Bernie Madoff, right? Think Enron, right? These guys somehow, uh, they started serving work. They elevated it. It became way too important. They, dude, Bernie Madoff, uh, he took down a lot of people and a lot of money. The biggest Ponzi scheme ever, right? $50 billion dollars. That's an example of sacrificing your character for work. Um, another one, sacrificing your family, right? Let, let's just be clear. Family is more important than your work. Family deserves to be higher on your list of priorities than your work, okay? Let me just say, there is dignity and there is value in providing for your family 
I would never, you know, say that. Obviously, we are called to work hard for our, uh, for our families. And in some cultures, right, the, the migrant worker culture, man, those guys should be celebrated. They, they'll leave their families for a summer to come up here to work and to send wages back, and, and that's awesome. But that's not most of our situation, right? Most of us can make ends meet and have bills paid without working day in, day out, night in, night out. And some of us need to spend less money so that we could be home more with our families. We work less and be home more, right? Sometimes that, that is the answer. It's, it, your career is not that important, right? Your family is more important. Working on your family um, should be more important than working on your career, right? Some of us need to hear that, right? M- myself included, right? This is, this is something that I, that I need to work on. The last thing that I'll say about uh, sacrificing is sacrificing your health. You know, working a job that stresses you out, that, um, you know, that just works you into the ground, uh, sometimes is not healthy and is not, it should not be uh, something that, that you're doing. I mean, if, you, if you're just working too hard and, you, and your, your, your health is, is um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your health is suffering, right? Uh, then it, you may want to consider a different career. A good example of this, Japan, right? Weird example, right? Japan, this tiny little island nation, cranks out, right, like this big on a map, cranks out an incredible amount of economic output. Number three in the world, right? U.S., China, and then Japan. They were second, and China just edged them out a few years ago. They can work over there, man. They love it. They'll work 10-hour days, I read, and then they'll just sit in the office for two more hours so people think they worked a 12-hour day, right? It's so important for them and for their culture to be respected. You work your tail off over there. And some of that's, you know, it's kind of cool, except they created a word. They had to create a word whose definition is death by overwork. I'm not making this up. Like, seriously, it's called Kiroshi or, or something, right? And it means death from, uh, what was it? Death from stress and a starvation diet from overworking, right? People are dropping like flies and to the point where they had to define a term or they had to create a term and define it to represent that. Like, that, that is a wonderful example of some, some overwork, uh, in our country, right, we could maybe see this in Manhattan, right, the financial hub of our country. We see it in maybe uh, Silicon Valley where some cool tech stuff is going on there. Uh, Nashville, if you're a musician. Hollywood, if you're an actor, right? There's all kinds of, all kinds of different areas uh, wh- where people, you know, they'll leave everything and go to this particular spot to focus on their career, right? Those places are, are you know, you, you could make a general statement and say there's a lot of overwork there. Is that Salem's issue? Probably not right? What are we the entrepreneurial hub of? I, I don't even know. State jobs? I don't know. P- people aren't sacrificing. I mean, state jobs, I, I don't want to demean state jobs. They're, uh, they're good jobs, and, and we need them, obviously, but uh, that's not necessarily Salem's issue. Salem's issue is the other side, which is underwork, right? We're still talking about how men foul up work, how man fouls up work, overworking and underworking. Underworking is like the more cynical view, of work, where for whatever reason, right, you're not challenged, you're bored, um, maybe you got stepped on, right? M- maybe somebody 
bumped you out to, to further their career. Maybe success has been elusive. Maybe your gifts aren't being used, right? You're underemployed, right, is the, the technical term for that. Or um, you're unemployed. Maybe you can't find work, right? And you have this low view. This low, the, uh, work has this low view in your mind. So that breeds what Paul talks about in Colossians. It's the, the eye service, right? The people pleasing, where you're not actually working hard. You're just, you know, act busy. You're not, you're not busy. You act busy when the boss is around. It produces, uh, you know, things that milk the clock or, or an attitude that would milk the clock and be crummy work ethic and, and just breed laziness. So to talk about this point, I found some stats, actually, which, is, which are actually kind of interesting. This is for our country. This is a survey in 2013. It's just uh, is a survey trying to figure out how much time is wasted at work. Right, an eight-hour day, and they, they break it up by uh, by generations. Baby boomers waste the least amount of time. Congratulations, baby boomers! Forty-one minutes a day wasted by baby boomers. Not great, but that's actually the best we got. Uh, Generation Xers on an eight-hour day. We, I think that's the the one I'm in. One point six hours per day is wasted out of eight hours. That's a that's a pretty significant chunk, right? Uh, and then millennials, you millennials, right? Two hours a day wasted? Like, that's 25% of the workday. You know, that, that's, uh, that, that's, not a good, <laughs> that's not a good thing. By the way, this came from a Forbes article. They're quoting salary.com, a salary.com survey. So the reasons why, so the survey included why. 34, the math on this is messed up. They must have been able to choose more than one, one option. So 34% of the people doing the survey said they waste time because they're not challenged, right? Not a challenging job. 34, another 34% said they waste time because they work long hours, okay? 32% said they don't have any incentive to work harder, right? They, I guess no profit sharing plan or something. 30% uh, said they're unsatisfied with their work. 23% of the, the people in the survey said they're bored. And 18% said the reason is low wages. Right. So uh, another interesting point. Uh, March Madness will lose American companies $175 million in the first two days this year, they said. That's insane. March Madness, apparently. Uh, a big time waster. And then my favorite thing from this article. It has nothing to do with work, but I was like, you got to be kidding me. 53% of millennials would rather give up their sense of smell than a device connection. What? Are you serious? Your sense of smell? Can you taste without smell? I don't, th I don't think you can. So millennials are, are a, a rough bunch, apparently. They need their, they need their phones and uh, they don't need their smell, or most of them. So what do we have? What do we have to fight against uh, our, um, our desire to overwork and underwork, right? And it's the work of the inheritance. If we keep reading in Colossians, um, let me get back there. Whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
What is the inheritance, right? What, what is this? Is, is this going to reverse the curse, right? Is work all of a sudden going to be incredible and you're going to be passionate about whatever you do? Kind of, right? Let's, let's look at what the inheritance is. The inheritance is God continuing to work, right? Yeah, he, he's not satisfied. He, he wants to continue to work. So he sends his son, right, to live this perfect life that, that is... Um, it should be celebrated, rather right? it should receive glory and honor because it's because it's never been done before, never will be done before, or it never will be done again. Uh, lives this perfect life and then dies this horrific death, a horrific death for the punishment of our sins, right? For a ransom for our life, a, a ransom for a perfect life for all of our imperfect lives, right? That we go from hopelessly bankrupt in sin, which is also called debt hopelessly bankrupt in sin to filthy rich with Christ's righteousness if we believe, right? That's what we know. So this is the inheritance, right? This is the, this is the transfer of wealth. Somebody had to die. That's what happens in an inheritance. Somebody dies and wealth gets transferred. Um, I don't know that Jesus lost his wealth, but whatever. Not a perfect analogy. We get it, right? Whatever. We get the wealth and that's payment for our sins. We no longer have uh, guilt and, and shame and despair, our past sins, especially our, our, our sin of overworking and underworking is covered, our, our present sins, our future sins, it's all covered with one, with one death, right? And eventually we'll be in heaven with Jesus, the, the curse will be reversed, and the work will be back to the way that it was intended, and it's going to be phenomenal, right? It's back to the gift of work, right? Isn't that awesome? But... We have from now until then, and the curse or the cursed work is still with us, right? So, so what do we have for that? And let, me, let me take a stab at this, right? That was the knowledge part. This is now the feeling of, of, of the same story, right? The same action, right? We have the inspiration and we have the motivation, right, from this story that, that we don't have a God who sits on the sidelines right, and goes, whoosh, you know, get back to work, like I'm struggling at work, get up, work is a gift, work is beautiful, get up, that's not the God we have, we have a God, right, Jesus, who is in the trenches with us, right, who says, when we say, God, I'm struggling, he says, I know, I know, I struggled too. I struggled too. I was in the, in the garden of Gethsemane hours before I was tortured and killed, begging God to take this from me. And when we say, God, I'm stressed, he says, I know. I was stressed too. I was sweating blood. I was so stressed. We say, I, it feels like God turned his back on me. Jesus says, he did turn his back on me, and he let me die on the cross, but I did that. We did that out of love for you. We did that because I could conquer death, right? And I could come back and be with you, right? We just heard on Christmas about Emmanuel, God with us. This is the power of the gospel, man. This is the, the secret sauce. This is, this is where we get the inspiration to know that 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 we don't have this, this slave-driving master of a God, but we have Jesus who's with us, fighting 
with us to give us strength and give us power to make it through all of life, right? This broken, fallen world, but especially work that's cursed and hard. This should change everything for us, right? When we understand we're the recipient of so much sacrificial work on the cross, Jesus' work on the cross, we will be able to sacrifice for others and, and work for others and serve others, right? This, this should bring about new passion, right? What was the statistics? Uh, no incentive to work harder. Jesus is the incentive to work harder because he worked beyond what any of us could do. We look at him, we, we, we focus on Jesus, and that's where the incentive comes from. And now we have a new passion, right? This is the fourth point, somewhere in there. A new servant work, right? Now, now we have a new passion to serve our employees. If we're an employer, our employers, if you're an employee, whether they deserve it or not, you serve them because you are served by Christ and you didn't deserve it. We, I, didn't deserve it. Be careful. This is, I'm preaching to myself. Dude, if you're a mom, right, certainly this applies to moms too. You serve your kids at home. This is work because they don't deserve it. Right? We know they don't deserve it. If you have kids, you know. If you're a student, right, this applies to you too. You're working. You're serving your instructor, whether he's a punk or not. This, it's just, this is a completely new way to view this. Wait for it. Listen, this is now an opportunity for us. It says work heartily in Colossians to work our heart out, right? Work our fingers to the bone. I think we, we, we sung a song about that. Work our fingers to the bone as if it all depends on us, as if, as if our work is all about us. We work, we work like crazy, and then we rest because it doesn't depend on us, right? This is, this is about God. God's in control. Well, you know, who cares what the results are? We're called to work. We're called to serve like Jesus served. This is, this is completely new, and I, I just, I don't, can we imagine what this would look like if we got this, right? If we, if we understood what this meant, if we, if we could if we could believe this to a larger degree, what, what kind of crazy stuff would happen? We'd be working like Christians, right? Called by God to serve. What I would love to see is for somebody to go to their next job interview, and when they're like, okay, so uh, why do you want to work here? Somebody would be like, dude, I am called by God to serve you. Right? Like, I'm called. Whether you deserve it or not, I don't care what you pay me. I'm going to serve you. Don't say that. They'll pay you nothing. Like, I wonder if you would get the job, right? Or would they be like, whoa, yeah, this guy's out to lunch. Tell me if you do that. I would love to find out. Let's look at some other practical ways that, uh, that we could put this into motion, right? How can we serve God at work? Let me I'm start to wrap up here. Should we... Put a fish on our business card. Uh, 
It's not, you know, horrible. I mean, it's not the, end, it's not the, the worst thing you could do. I, I, I struggle with that one because it feels more like marketing than serving God, right? You're trying to market to Christians maybe. You know, I'm sure I, if you have a fish in your business card, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to offend you. Uh, but let's see if we could be more creative than that, right? So I, I, I stole a list out of Keller's book, right? Uh, and here's, here's what he's got. I got, I got a list of these. How could we serve God at work by doing skillful, excellent work? God loves that. That glorifies God. Working our fingers to the bone, producing a phenomenal product or service. Right? That's one way we can serve God at work. The next one, creating beauty. If you're a, a, an artist or, or a musician or something, or, 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 I don't know, a website designer, right? That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty relevant. Creating the best website that's beautiful. This is another opportunity to serve God, another way that we could serve God. Serve God by working with joy through the ups and downs, right? I, I, I realize it's easier to say this than to do it, and let me just be clear. Working through failure and disappointment uh, or failure will bring disappointment. We're not robots. You know, you shouldn't put on a happy face and pretend like you're not... Like you're not um, disappointed, but it'll take the edge off, right? It's not, it's not everything um, because you're not working for yourself. You're working for God now. You're working because God worked for us, because Jesus worked for us. And the ups, the ups don't puff us up with pride anymore, right? Because it's not about our work. It's about Jesus's work. So we can have success and it won't destroy us, right? It won't, it won't puff us up like it used to. Okay. Number four, Serve God by sharing Christ with our coworkers. Oh, awesome opportunity. This is, this is where we, the rubber gets to meet the road. We get to get out, outward of these doors, and we get to work shoulder to shoulder with some non-Christians. It's a wonderful opportunity to share Christ with them and to blow them away with an incredible work ethic for a boss or for employees that don't deserve it, right? You're going to turn some heads. Guys are going to be like, or gals are going to be like, what are you doing, man? This guy's a punk. Why are you working so hard? Awesome opportunity to share Christ with these people. Okay, number five, work to promote social justice, right? Widows, orphans, the needy, right? Here's a great opportunity to, to you know, speaking of uh, like slavery, working to um, uh, abolish slavery. An awesome opportunity uh, to Promote social justice. Uh, let me give you a quick example. We work with Hope Pregnancy Center. We, we talked about them earlier. Um, the founder there has an incredible story, man. He walked through um, a few abortions early on in his life, um, then became a Christian, and he decided to, to um, make his work life doing the opposite serving the women who are walking through unplanned pregnancies of their own and rescuing the babies out of that. He's been doing it for 30 stinking years. How many, how many girls has he helped? How many babies has, has he been a part of the rescue for? Like, dude, can you imagine? God must be cheering for that guy. Like, what? Can you imagine the passion you would have. Let's find something like that that's a part of our lives. Something maybe we screwed up and now we spend the rest of our life doing the opposite, right? And this is not just ministry. And it's, it, ministry is not the only thing you can do here. 
There's, there's, lots, of, there's lots of opportunities to work this out, okay? And, and my last one is serve God by making as much money as you can, right? Some of you have the gift of making cash, right? Do it. Make some money. Don't step on people. Don't sacrifice character and family and all the stuff we're not supposed to sacrifice. Do it well, and then give as much money as you can away. This building costs money. The lights cost money. The, the work of God needs money. This is, this is an awesome opportunity to serve God. Listen, a great example of this is Truett Cathy. We don't have any Chick-fil-A's around here. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a Chick-fil-A. Hopefully we'll have one someday. Somebody's nodding their head. They know. Listen, I was in Virginia last year, and I went to one, and uh, it's a pretty sweet spot, right? Like, it's fast food, but it's not fast food. Like, we sit down and have this incredible chicken sandwich, which was actually chicken, right, which is a shock, actually chicken, and then a nicely dressed dude comes over and is like, hey, can I refill that you know, drink for you? Can I get you some more ranch or whatever? And I'm like, you know, I thought this was like McDonald's, right, where you fend for yourself. <laughs> And true at Kathy, he was passionate about a chicken sandwich, <laughs> like a, an excellent sandwich. And he was passionate about serving his uh, customers, serving his employees, which he calls associates. This guy is a Christian and, and is an awesome example of doing the servant work of Christ and doing it well. And then he had success, and then he poured his, his money out. He started orphanages, he did camps for kids, he, he supports all kinds of stuff. It's a billion dollar company. I think he just died. But listen, this guy, awesome. That's sad, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dang it, I was on a roll. Uh, listen, this guy is, a, is an awesome example um, of what uh, what we should be doing, okay? We need to find more people like that, right? Maybe in your own profession, whatever you do, find somebody who's doing this well and do what they do, right? Or, or take this list or take any list, right? This is just, I'm just scratching the surface. Take this list and create and, and work to apply the gospel to your own job. Take every nook and cranny of what you do, every person you come in contact with at work, and apply the gospel to it and serve them. Serve them well. This, this could be huge, man. I hope, we, I hope we get this. We got a young crowd, so, so most of us are just starting out, maybe an entry-level stuff. This could be insane if we understand this. Okay, lastly, let me just close. What should we do from here? Number one, we'd be reading everything you can on this, right? Start with the Bible, right? There's so much uh, in the Bible uh, that talks about work. Dig in, okay? Listen to people smarter than you and me who are talking about work, right? And, and find out, you know, read Keller's book. Right? There's a good start. Uh, C.J. Mahaney has an incredible book. There's tons of books on this subject. Read everything you can. Talk with people about this, right? Bounce ideas off somebody else. Have a group that, that you can be accountable with. We have a men's Bible study starting, I think Rob said January 16th or somewhere around there. We're talking about work. This is a, a, a phenomenal uh, opportunity to further this, right? To make this, to make this a part of our lives. Lastly, we need to pray about this and, and ask God to, to reveal how we should be working, Okay? Let's start with the prayer 
right now. Jesus, Jesus, this is so, this is so insane, this, this, the depth uh, of the meaning of work. God, we, help us repent of how we have screwed this up. We all have one side or the other. Jesus, help us, help us focus on your work, right? The work of the cross that you did to change everything. God, and let us, let us gain inspiration from that. Let us gain a new motivation to work differently, to serve like we've never served before. Jesus, I, I just can't wait for the, for the, uh, the ideas and the, and the ways that this works itself out. I pray that you would bless everybody here God, with this, uh, with this new reality, whether they've, they've known about it or not, help, help it to, to be fresh in their minds. Jesus, and, and God, I just thank you for the opportunity to get up here and talk about it. We pray this in your name. Amen.